What up, guys and girls? It's Bobby. And this is Sean. Uh, coming back to you guys for another week's episode of the Cronus Cast. This week's episode is brought to you by uh, Paragon Recovery, as we have been mentioning for the last, I guess, year since I've been using them. Huge fan of Paragon Recovery. They have a bunch of great supplements. Uh, I particularly like the Sleep Gains or Night Gain supplement, which is their sleep supplement, and their Flame Off supplement, which is their anti inflammatory supplement. Both great products, both highly recommended. Use the code Cronus for 15% off, and then if you're military or first responder, feel free to hit them up directly for an increased discount. I believe they're still running a 40% off discount uh, promotion right now. So if you are in the need for some supplements, recommend you hit them up and get it supplied because I just got resupplied last week. Again, highly recommended. Check them out. Great company, great group of guys. I'm not going to do my resupply until I get to uh, New York City where I'm really going to need the extra protection uh, from the, the COVID. Oh, yeah. I would uh, definitely for sure take vitamin D. Uh, I guess it's a good point that we can start off this week by talking about stuff that I've been doing from a supplement perspective or just supplementing in general. Yeah, that'd be great. I think that because guys, I discuss a lot about supplements. So I really much say that um, there's like five supplements that I would consider kind of essential supplements. Number one is caffeine. can be, you know, in your coffee, in your pre-workout, but definitely caffeine. Uh, I prefer less less adulterated. So like coffee is my preferred source of caffeine. Um, Got to get the coffee. Um, not to mention because it has the caffeine, but also a lot of antioxidants, which also help with some other things too in your body. So caffeine is number one. Number two is creatine. Creatine, um, we, somebody asked us in the Q&A session this week about if creatine is actually damaging to your kidneys. Uh, I actually looked in the science and the literature, and there's a meta-analysis, which is a study of studies that shows there is no damage to your kidneys or any elevation in your kidney markers from taking creatine. However, if you have some inherent kidney disease, uh, it may yeah, make your kidney function worse. <laughs> But that's also very dependent on you. But for the vast majority of people, if you are healthy and do not have any kidney disease, you'll be fine taking creatine. So creatine is number two. Number three is fish oil. I'm a big fan of fish oil. Helps with a lot of anti-inflammatory things. Also gives you some other fatty acids, essential fatty acids that you don't really get in your diet normally. And these essential fatty acids are uh, very beneficial to helping you uh, with neuronal function, um, but it also helps a lot with uh, inflammation and reducing some of the uh, very, it has some anti-inflammatory effects. Um, I don't wanna get too much into the science between omega-3s and omega-6 fatty acids. But basically the more omega-6 fatty acids you have in your diet, the less um, inflammatory state you're in. So omega-3 fatty acids are usually found in like nuts and ground nuts. but uh, there's, I was reading in science, there, in one of my textbooks, that the ratio of omega-3s and omega-6s in your cell, uh, in your cells will dictate on kind of how healthy or unhealthy you are. Little, it's kind of far-reaching, but, you know, fish oil is a pretty good one. You want to get ones with a lot of omega-6 fatty acids, um, so high DHA, high EPA uh, um, fish oil. Number four that we talk about uh caffeine creatine fish oil vitamin d uh for for generally pretty much speaking um unless you're outside every day for like 30 minutes with your shirt off you're gonna be deficient in vitamin d um especially for you sean being you know a little more lighter fair skinned uh you're not gonna you're 
uh, going to be genetically predisposed by having vitamin D deficiencies. So vitamin D is a very interesting vitamin. Um, been, well, it's the truth. That's science. People, I can't believe this. It is science. Uh, but pretty much people that um, are going to be deficient in vitamin D uh, anyways, so you want to supplement vitamin D, and it's a pretty cheap supplement too. Uh, it has a lot of wide-ranging effects in the body. Uh, the most well-known is like its effects on calcium, but they've also been doing studies on vitamin D and things like diabetes and uh, asthma and like ADHD. I saw an article about vitamin D uh, and ADHD and not having a vitamin D and having ADHD. Huh. I've seen articles about vitamin D and like an ICU and critically ill people too. Uh, but very, generally speaking, vitamin D is a um, not very well-studied vitamin um, that has probably very large effects, too. It has some effects in, in, in immunity as well, so that's why I recommend doing vitamin D, especially during these times. Well, here's a question. If I just try a supplement. Vitamin D. Have we now harnessed the power of the sun into a pill form for the pastier individuals that can't go outside right now? Uh, more or less so. So without getting super into the physiology behind vitamin D, basically, uh, I have to, I don't, would have to like review this, the, the pathway for it, but basically like the sun hitting your skin is what converts vitamin D2 into D3 and D3 is a bioactive one in your body. Um, I think your kidneys produce something called one alpha hydroxylase, which takes like vitamin D into D2. And then the sunlight or UV converts D2 to D3. Uh, but there's like a whole like endocrine uh, hormone pathway for that. I honestly, I can't say off the top of my head. But um, but that's what vitamin D3 is. D3 is the, vit- the active form of vitamin D. Um, and you want to take about 2,000 IUs a day uh, just to make you in normal range. And what's the fifth one? Uh, I said creatine, caffeine... Vitamin D, protein, fish oil. Oh, and protein. Yeah, protein. Uh, so typically a whey protein, or whatever you, you're more you're more um, you're most comfortable with. Whey protein, generally speaking, is the most bang for your buck because of the amino acid profile. Um, other things to be aware of with protein is that collagen protein is not considered a complete protein source. You know, they tell you it's good for building strong bone, like good ligaments and stuff, but that's just because it's collagen and it might produce. The theory is that intaking collagen will help your body to produce more collagen. I don't think the science is there, uh, not that I'm familiar with, um, but there is uh, interesting data on collagen and reducing like auto-inflammatory syn- uh, syndromes such as like rheumatoid arthritis or osteoarthritis. It can help a lot with that. Uh, so that's kind of the, our five supplements that we talk about that uh, we um, that I believe in at least. Everything else you can kind of like make arguments for. But the science and the data on all everything else people talk about is kind of more hit or miss. Yeah, and for people that are interesting, you know, interested in knowing what I'm doing to stay healthy, I've got my crystals uh, set up. I've got a bunch of rocks that I've collected from the garden, um, and I also like to take nature walks. Um, and so I think those are the holistic approaches, um, especially if you're living in Oregon. That's probably something you can do. And uh, not to really say that it doesn't help, uh, I'm actually a pretty big fan of, well, not, I'll say fan, but I definitely believe in a lot of pseudoscience things or, like, kind of quackery things that a lot of medical professionals kind of shit on because um, I'm pretty firm believer in the placebo effect and that if you believe something works, it's going to work. Um, whether that 
is like rooted in science but there's there's interesting things in like placebo and nocebo effects um that the placebo effects real so uh if you believe that something's gonna work something's most likely gonna work so whether that's crystal balls or crystals or like chakras whatever what have you um i think there's pretty good there's interesting studies that like deliberately try to fool people into thinking that they're getting some like groundbreaking treatment and people get like positive results from this treatment because of the fact that they mentally give themselves positive results very interesting well they talk about that in one of the iron man books that i just read about goal setting and Mm -hmm. for instance like you know if i have uh, a pace that i want to set on the marathon or the swim or the bike i put those post-its up all over like my house so when I go to the you know uh, bathroom in the morning and I'm washing my face, I'm like, all right, I want to do this marathon in like sub three thirty. I want to do the bike in sub like five and a half. And eventually, your goals seem more attainable uh, after writing them down and seeing them constantly throughout like a training period. So that when you're prepared to go and actually commit to the actual timed event, um, you have something that you think is definitely uh, within your grasp. So I, mm-hmm. I like the, the placebo effect. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of placebo effect. Um, whether That's why another thing that, that kind of brings up is like people ask us like which training program is the best one to do. And like all training programs are pretty good for the vast majority of them if they're written by like someone that understands how to train. You know, you're probably going to get good results. doesn't matter which training program you do. But the one that the best program for you is the one that you follow and the one that you find enjoyable. And that's kind of like what uh, we I pre- like what we we try and preach is that no training plan no training program is perfect, but the fact that you pick a training program and like the training program and stick with the training program, that's been the biggest um, you know factor for success in the future. Not like which one's the right one; it's more so just picking one and sticking with it for you know the long term. Yeah. But yeah, I really like that whole like uh, visual visualization and like the mind power of the mind especially like endurance stuff you know i find it that's why i think i find a lot of interest in uh ultra events for me is that it becomes so much more mental like, it's like a mental game over like hours and hours of time well speaking of ultra you did a half marathon today how did that go i did i did a 13.1 miles I think it was like a mid hour and 50 something it was under i, I think it was like 8 5, 8 40 pace i want to say for 13 13.1 miles i actually wasn't planning on doing a half marathon today um i just decided yesterday that because my 30th birthday is next saturday and my tradition is usually to do uh 225 back squats for your age and reps that's usually my um tradition uh for my birthday but since it, you know gyms are closed, I can't really get into the gym to get the 25 pound barbell to do back squats. So instead, I'm gonna run a 30k, uh, which is like 18.5 miles next week. Damn, <laughs> well, you know, from just waking up and running a marathon, you know, now you've got some some fun structure ahead of you. And we talked about at the beginning the supplements you're taking, but for recovery tools, what do you have right now within the apartment? So that's another thing that I'm uh, a little bit more, I guess, anal about. You know, the biggest thing. So the biggest thing about like improving your physical performance is not how hard you train, but rather how well you recover. I guess it's not it's not so much how you train, but also how you train and how you recover. It's like a two-edged uh, paradigm. It's not just one about training, 
but it's also about recovery. So in terms of recovery, uh, I've got like a bunch of stuff that I use at home. I'm a big fan. Uh, I've got a um, like a Hypervolt, uh, like a percussion device that I bought on eBay for like 60 bucks. Um, so I use that a lot, uh, just mostly for like warm up and cool down mostly. Um, and then I have a Compex that I bought on like Facebook Market. It's like a it's like a couple years old, but I got it in well at a really good quality for like 80 bucks too. So I do like uh, I I like using my compacts a lot, and then I've got like the standard like foam roller, like a yoga mat that I use. I've got a Theracan that I'm a big fan of that I use to get my back, um, the cross balls and kind of those other like myofascial release tools that I use. But the big ones are gonna like just stretching is a big one. I probably put like an hour worth of stretching in the day. Or I try to at least. When we went to RASP two and the first time that like I did MFR, like we're you know in the CRTF there, like I remember rolling out next to you and just being like, "This is the most painful thing I have ever done in my entire life." And then now consistently continue to do it uh, after like really voluminous days. Um, you know what you talked about prior to getting out there and just getting your your muscles loose and warm um, is a great tool for it as well. I need to get that that knockoff hypervolt though. Dude, it's 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 actually really because like as much as like people like the Theraguns, the Theraguns like fucking four hundred dollars. I don't realize like more that. It's like five hundred. Is it really? Yeah, it's unreal how expensive. Like because it's now they have all these like you know cool alien looking designs, and they have all mm-hmm. the other attachments that you can throw on. I think it's almost like a whoop thing where some of them have like really cool apps that come with it that allow you to see your breakdown of recovery, uh, so you know exactly what you're doing. Um, I, I just think it's like a huge market now, but if you can get one for like mm-hmm. 80 bucks, it's perfect. Yeah. The thing is like all like, uh, I kind of did some research into it and the knockoff brands and basically the knockoff brands, they're still coming from the same factories that make like their name brand ones. Um, it's like, you know how they have Yetis and they have the, uh, Walmart brand Yeti. It's which the same thing. A, same thing. It's just different branding. Yeah. But it's the same exact thing with the, uh, the percussion devices. Like you can find, like the ones that are made in China, you just find you can get a non-name brand one for like fifty or sixty bucks. It's the same thing as a Hypervolt, same same like design. It's just you know, it's just a different. It's not a branded one. Yeah, well, that's cool. It's I'm gonna have to quality. get that when I get to the city. And right now, I'm looking at uh, what kind of like indoor trainer I'm gonna need because there's only so many bike routes within the city. Mm-hmm. You know, especially training yeah. at distance. So I might have to get like either rollers. Um, or like a cyclops or kinetic like indoor trainer but the problem is like they can be pretty loud and then mm. space is a huge issue within a, a small apartment so that's that's my next piece that i'm researching uh you know what's the best training tool for for the bike piece until my pool yeah. opens up too yeah it's definitely something that i i'm excited to get more into is like learning more about the endurance side of stuff because i mean i've always we've always done like you know the lifting and like short to like low medium distances like what 10k is probably our like most comfortable range yeah, right absolutely. yeah so like we don't have much experience past 10k so this would be it's very interesting for me just learning more about like the endurance side of stuff very interesting yeah my thing that i picked up on when i first got to regiment and when i was leaving was like kind of the period that i was doing halves and training for halves and I spent a lot of time trying to find headphones that would stay in for that duration of a run and eventually just didn't find any because I have like really misshapen earlobes. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. So I just did it without headphones, and eventually I feel better now when I'm doing endurance pieces without music, uh, so I can like really just focus on my cadence. I can hear my breathing, my foot strikes, all the things that you know you might not hear or recognize when you're you know blasting Weezer on a you know twenty k. Yeah, I will say that uh, I do usually run them with headphones in, just because with my long ones, I just think. I don't know if it's like an ego thing or something about like it's wasting my time. Like I could be getting something more out of it, you know, like cross training wise. Yeah. So I was, I, I've been listening to audiobooks and podcasts. I usually listen to audiobooks and podcasts while I run just to have some noise in the background. Oh, it's just so boring running with nothing. Like I, I will concede that point. Like I, I ran a, uh, a women's half marathon. Um, <laughs> I think I was the number one finisher for the men. So that's a, you know, good for me. Um, but I remember being so bored. I mean, like there were stretches where I wasn't within another hundred meters of any runners and just mm-hmm. being like, all right, well, this is Savannah. It's nice. I am so bored. Oh my God. Like where's the next aid station that's blasting like Katy Perry. Yeah. I would say like usually, usually my cutoff is like about an hour. Um, that put headphones in. So usually about like six or seven miles ish. Usually my cutoff or put throwing headphones in. Um, past an hour i think i just get to the point where it's just like i'm just wasting too much good time that i could be learning something you know yeah and when i like to listen to music too like when i was doing the stair climber every saturday and doing a couple hundred floors i essentially only listened to the same like 10 or 11 songs like every single time it wasn't like i was scrolling through my phone like what would be a good like playlist it's like i always listen to dan vasage like toss a coin to your witcher and some of the other remakes that he has um, cause it's like this thrasher metal, uh, cover guy out of, I think Brazil and like, it's great music. It pumps you up. Like I, I'd want to like hit the screen a couple times, like listening to it, like a weirdo in my ranger panties, but that's everything. Like, I can't listen to too much different music if I'm just focusing on like one kind of, you know, conditioning piece. If I'm just running consistently, I don't want something that's going to be going up and down and up and down, like mm-hmm. with different beats. Yeah, I mean, that's a big thing. Uh, I actually did some research into that, too, in terms of, uh, like, the the music they listen to when you run. Because we, I think everybody has, like, a uh, natural cadence they fall into when they run. So, like, if you find, if you have music uh, that has, like, BP, the BPMs that, like, shift a lot, you find yourself, like, either speeding up or slowing down based on the music, which can be good, to be, depending on, like, what you want to do with it. But I, think, I feel like for most um, runners, it's probably counterproductive uh because you're trying to get like a specific training and stimulus um but i know like with edm that's set to a certain bpm it can support like having a uh or sustaining your cadence um throughout your run and keeping you like um more consistent in your cadence too that's what i love about like barry's boot camp and soul cycle the couple times that i've gone i almost think that it's more impressive that the instructors or whomever is running the studio has music that is set to every single portion of their workouts. Mm-hmm. So it's like mm-hmm. segmented to the intensity levels that you're expected at that exact time. And everybody can generally get within that same rhythm, um, regardless if you're on a treadmill running like a 12 miles per hour, or you're doing an eight miles per hour, everyone can can get into that same group. I like that a lot. I, I've not been able to even program that consistently for myself when I know that I'm going to have a Metcon that has like certain movements. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Yeah, I wonder how they do that. I, I, they must have like a 
like a BPM or something like it, like have songs broken down like by BPMs or something, and then pick like a a song that they want to play for a certain period with like high beat. I don't know, but that'd be my guess. Yep, uh, people that are more musically talented than I am. I mean, you'd think that someone that played in such illustrious orchestras all over this country would understand the the breakdown and be able to do it himself, but I. I do not have that skill, nor do I have like the musical repertoire to fall back on and be like, that's a really good artist. Like today, if you showed me the top like 10 artists uh, in like the pop culture and music realm, I don't think I could name like any of them. Like Lady Gaga is probably Katy Perry. Like those, like I'm dating myself. Like that was like 2011, 2012 when you're like, 22 23 like yeah like i'm i'm still hip and like i don't know why my parents don't know who these people are what a bunch of old geezers now i'm like who's lizzo what is lizzo like i don't know this person you're so dated you're so old dude so old boomer now 31 i forgot that i was 31 the other day by the way the the people that live next door uh, have a small son and he's like very cute and he was like how old are you i was like third oh god i'm 31 Oh, oh, gross. Yeah, I'm turning 30 next Saturday. Mm. It's downhill from here, man. Though I will say this. I remember specifically a couple of my squad leaders saying to me, Sir, you don't get it. When you hit 30, it's like your body shuts down. That's why I look the way that I do. That's why I perform physically the way that I do. And these were all regular because any squad Mm -hmm. leader that I had in regiment was like my age. I now want to find them and say, bullshit. <laughs> it might hurt a little bit, and I might not recover as quickly, but I haven't, like, I'm not dropping the ball on any single, like, major exercise or conditioning piece right now. So for anyone out there that's fearful of turning the big 3-0, like, it's all horse shit if people tell you that once you hit that age, you're, like, all of a sudden just going to fall apart and just be this decrepit, like, pile of human flesh. Dude, I think I'm like the best shit of my life right now. Still, I've, every year, like my my interests kind of shift a little bit in terms of like my goals for physical fitness wise. But I'm pretty sure like every year I get fitter and fitter every year. It's kind of weird, or it's, I think it's, I mean it's obviously a good thing. But whatever whatever we're doing is working because you know every year I get fitter and fitter, and I still get see improvements in what I'm working on. Well, that's, we talked about that too uh, just before we started the session today. But you're looking more into your ultra marathon training. And we're doing some readings and found that like weightlifting, something that we have promoted in addition to your conditioning pieces, actually has a positive effect uh, on your your aerobic capacity. So like, what what are you generally finding about that, or like, are there limits that you've you've researched? Yeah. So uh, this has only been I only started looking like last like in the last thirty minutes. I started reading or just like finding articles. Um, just like searching uh, for like endurance training, kind of the physiology of endurance training. But one of these uh, whole like subset of articles that I found was talking, about, they were talking about um, the idea of concurrent training um, because classically, you know, people will tell you that like endurance athletes have to train endurance wise only. Like you only can run or do endurance training for endurance athletes because if you do like strength training or any other like power training or weightlifting or what, what have you, it has like negative, it's not for the sport specifically, but there's a lot of like data and science uh, in the literature that says that 
people that train both strength and 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 hypertrophy while train concurrently training endurance uh people uh who do both have more have better power outputs have better lean body mass um better power outputs and better like vo2 maxes even though they're a little bit heavier than they're not they're not weight training partners which is super interesting because i mean it kind of is counter uh intuitive thinking about that way because if you think about like an endurance athlete you think that you know you wanted someone that's something like you know like 130 pounds like skin like very skinny because the, it's harder to sustain you know mass when you're doing like endurance athlete like endurance level uh events uh but then the, the science shows or the data kind of indicates that it's the other way around and that people that are a little bit more leaner with a little bit more lean body mass or more muscle mass actually perform better than their peers that don't do weightlifting. Really interesting. I haven't really dug into the literature yet, but that's kind of like the cursory um, results that I started seeing uh, on my first literature review. So I'll have more next week once I start reading this week and the, this, these articles I found. Well, if you're looking to get motivated to run like the marathon plus distances, uh, have you seen the Nike documentary called Breaking Two? I have not, and that's the the marathon one, right? About the lunar glide. That's like the the, the shoe one. Yeah, so I think this one, this in, in this documentary, like spoiler alert, uh, Kipchoge, um, the other two runners, uh, Siza, De Siza, and Tadisi, um, all from like Ethiopia, Eritrea, and Kenya. Um, are trying to break the two out the sub two hour marathon. Um, this was filmed in like 2016 or 17 when Nike was like, "Hey, let's really focus on this." Um, they don't break it. He is subsequently Kipchoge that is has broken the two hour marathon. They did it in Germany uh, this last year. He ran like a 159, 40 something, which is incredible. But like Insane. watching that is unreal. Like they they are moving. It's like you're watching someone sprint. I mean, they'll do a a sub hour half marathon and the training up for it. And you're just like, I can't believe humans are moving this fast. Like that's a four something mile, just flat out. No problem. Yeah. That is, that's like the crazy thing. Like the, um, limits of human performance wild. That's what I, I think that I love, um, learning about that or, or thinking about that. It's like crazy thing about it. Cause like a two hour marathon is like, a 430 pace right I, well, i'll do the math uh right now yeah it's something ridiculous it's like a f- sub five minute pace for a marathon yeah 4.58 so like yeah like a 430 <laughs> my my fastest miles ever were like in the 430s i can't imagine and like afterwards i was destroyed every single time yeah. I can't imagine these individuals just being like, whatever, 26? Yeah, sure. Yeah, like a sub five marathon, a sub five mile for me is probably really good. I've actually never tested my max mile uh, in a while, but I think I'm around like a five minute. Like, I think that the best was like a five for me. That so was always like my goal was to do a 500 pound deadlift um, and a five minute mile. Because uh, someone in regiment told me about it, because I was able to pull five, and I was a fast runner, and I was like, "Huh, I, I wonder if I can do this in a single like you know hour period between like resting and." I think I would deadlift first though before I did the run. Uh, yeah, I think I would too. I actually saw. Wait, what the fuck? Uh, one of the articles I saw that I was I saw their like our, our abstract was like, 
If you lift before you run, you have no impact on your aerobic fitness. But if you run before you lift, you'll have decreased lifting performance. Yeah, well, that's why it, like all the uh, military prep stuff, the conditioning comes after all of the running pieces. Mm-hmm. It's like what, even if you're tired, like your body's going to flush that out and you're going to get into that mental headspace where you know you can pick back up to you know, that six-minute interval pace that you were looking for. Yeah. So, like, even though... So, I think it's kind of funny that the stuff that we've been doing over the years is actually scientifically backed up. Coincidentally yeah. or... Good for us. We are... Or? Just, like, I'm imagining there's, like, a roaring crowd right now behind me. <laughs> but speaking of roaring crowds, uh, I know... When you were at West Point and I was a cadet, uh, people generally applauded us for our service uh, because, you know, hashtag TOFYS heroes, which by the way, now I can like double thank you for your service as being like a medical professional in the time of COVID-19 and a veteran. Like you're going to get free meals for life now at TGIF Fridays. Just be prepared. Dude, I'm, I have like mixed feelings about the whole healthcare worker Um uh, I guess like healthcare where healthcare worker worship that they have going on right now in the country. It's fucking weird, man. It's like, uh, I don't know. It's funny. Cause like, you know, a couple months ago, people are saying like, fuck doctors. They make too much money. Fuck them. Yeah. But now it's like, you know, thank her God doctors and nurses. And I also like, don't like how, you know, with this worship, uh, like this healthcare worship thing going on, kind of the sentiment behind that, you have a lot of people like that, like the virtue signaling is too much for me. It's like too much virtue signaling. Oh, I I mean, I can't stand whenever I turn on like Instagram and like half the feed is just people wanting to show themselves like, you know, whistling out of their window or like banging their pots and pans. Like I like people doing quiet things like go take meals to the hospital and help out Mm. the healthcare workers. If you know, they have families like, see what you can do to help them out, but just standing up there and I don't know. I think it's almost like a a platitude, you know, at some point it's like when you get thanked for your service, you're like, dude, we've, we've been at war for, you know, almost two decades now. Like, all right, dude, same thing. Like just like, I don't need to see it recorded to know that you, you appreciate, you know, what I've done or what the healthcare workers done. Dude, it's the same thing as like the military, like military worship in America. It's the same exact thing that, but you know, it's, it's interesting. I don't know if it's like funny, but like, you know, during this pandemic, people are like, oh, you know, these people are essential workers. Healthcare workers are so essential. They do like the God's work. But then like, I guarantee you in like three months when people forget about this, they're going to be like, you know, these healthcare workers make too much money. Oh, not only that, it's going to be one of those. My doctor told me that I'm overweight. How dare they? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that the, the, I think we're like getting like tunnel focused on the singular issue that like, you know, doctors, nurses, and healthcare professionals are dealing with. But when it goes back to like regular life, it's like, okay, like continue this like level of gratitude then when they're doing something else on your body to try to, you know, create a healthy human. Like, it, it can't just be fleeting. Yeah, uh, I also think that uh, it's also kind of funny because I'm now seeing, like, especially with Christina, too, a lot of her nurse friends will, like, kind of flex on social media, saying that, like, you know, I'm essential or, like, I'm a hero. Uh, yeah. And then it's just like, come on, man. Like, nobody 
that goes into these fields, you know, necessarily goes into it for the public support. You know, it's like in the military, like nobody goes into the army because they want to be thanked for their service or like that shouldn't be your, that shouldn't be your main motivation no. for the military is to get thanked for your service. They're the same people that if they were in the military after being at a range would throw up a photo of them. Like, you know, look at, I'm, I'm covered in uh, dirt. I, I just qualified on my M4, you know, 24 out of 40, like, that's marksmen. Like, that's the kind of stupid shit that, like, I just dislike. It's one of the reasons I just don't like social media. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, that's a great point. I think it's it's just, like, human nature, too. Because you have, like, people that, you know, are more well-balanced, I guess, like, personality-wise. They're more well-balanced and, like, won't go that route. But then some people love to, like, flaunt or, like, to show off the fact that they are, like, you know, special. Yeah. Well, that being said, stuff that I do flaunt on my Instagram, one, I'm a very good charcoal griller. Like I did see that. That is that is a speciality that I've de- developed now in the last month because of quarantine. Used to be a really good gas griller, but I don't have a gas grill here, so charcoal it is. Uh, two, like basic feats of strength. Like I won't put up a squatting video if it's not like over 315 deadlift mm-hmm. like same and cleans under 225 like just basic acts of okay i find this moderately impressive and i know the like four people that i actually converse with on a daily basis about fitness will enjoy it as well but outside of that i don't and my mustache updates that's a oh yeah we still have to do a weekly update, update for yeah well i'm i'm almost at 30 days um so i'm pretty pretty proud of this very bushy uh thick full mustache that has uh grown to my face i think this is the max that mine's gonna get um it, this has been since march 2nd for me so what's that that's like 50 days i think this is this is this is the extent of mine i might start like twisting this up like this do the twist up yeah i might i might do the same just to get more more on the face but damn it bobby we're getting away from the point cadet life being cadets in the military, whether you're on a normal campus or USMA. So I'll start with what life was like as a cadet uh, in ROTC and what I did to grow into such a successful adult veteran now as my transitionary period is completely over. Uh, Caveat though, I did get a letter from some National Guard or Reserve unit that went to my parents' house asking if I wanted to rejoin. Um, and I thought it was very sweet. My mom kept the letter for me, and after talking with her, immediately trashed it. So if you're listening <laughs> and you think that I should be another officer for you to pull for your National Guard detail, you're mistaken. But back to being a cadet. Um, I was fortunate enough. I had a four-year Army scholarship to Lehigh. I think now most scholarships are only three years because they're concerned about awarding someone a scholarship and then after a year people dropping out. Um, as part of my scholarship, I had to live in like an ROTC house my freshman year, which was, you know, it's whatever. You missed out on some of the, the college experiences, which I'm sure you can definitely uh, feel at USMA. Um, I had PT like three times a week, but I did Ranger Challenge uh, three out of my four years. Um, and, you know, that was an awesome experience. But in general, I felt like being a cadet at an undergrad school wasn't really... Like, I didn't feel like I was, like, indoctrinated in military culture because I only had to wear a uniform once a week. I looked like an idiot because I was, like, 180 pounds. 
um, and I had this like giant extra large long uniform on um, but in general I didn't feel like I was like any way special just because I was in ROTC I'll tell you one thing though I'd have awful haircuts like I had awful high end tights all four years because that's what was told like you had to have classic yeah I mean West Point was similar in some regards and completely different in other regards uh like if we went i mean we wore uniform every day um so i've like worn uniform every day in school you know we had breakfast formation and lunch formation class i mean it was just like a normal college during the i guess like academic year you know we'd have classes during the day and then around four o'clock you get like your your like company athletics or drilling time to go practice like parading or you know doing your intramural sports at four uh besides that it was pretty much normal i would say like college experience <clears throat> i think we definitely got you know definitely got indoctrinated a little bit uh, in the military because we're surrounded by the mil- the army at west point um and then i don't know uh which can be both positive and negative put that way um a lot of weirdos put that i don't know how it is now uh because it's been because i graduated what 2012 so this was eight years ago that I graduated so I'm sure it's changed since then but I just remember like freshman year our plebe year like we were only allowed one pass per semester to leave uh for weekend one weekend pass per semester uh so like guys I just remember like my classmates wouldn't leave West Point and then would just stay in their room on weekends uh which is not the correct answer I don't know how it is now but like back then that's how it was for us but I still left like every every weekend I left because we had uh, like spirit passes. You know, if, like Army was playing um, like Navy or at, at Navy or something, you could take a pass down the Navy. Or if Army was playing at you know at Air Force, you could go to the Air Force Academy. So I left like every weekend on like spirit passes, and I was in clubs too. I was on the Chinese club. It was dope. That's uh, weird. Chinese I don't club. see that. Yeah, uh, it was great because we we had to take trips like once a month to go wherever once a month. So it was just like my chance to be to have a normal college experience put that way. Yeah. So like I had I I would say I had like a pretty much a regular college experience uh, because I made myself have a regular college experience. Like on weekends, I would leave the academy and go do stuff and not stay there on weekends. Yeah, that was the one thing going to a regular undergrad that I was never wanting for a a regular college experience. Like you could literally go out every weekend. Um, I joined a fraternity. I was in different clubs. I got to take whatever classes I want. Um, I could skip class if I wanted to. So if you're wondering why my GPA was awful and I had to sign ad, so like, there you go, ding, ding, ding. Um, I think that ROTC, I don't even know if that generally prepares you to be a, a good officer, to be honest. Um, it's like four years, all we did was like drill down on basic squad level tactics and trying to max an APFT. And like that mm-hmm. was that was your curriculum and then minus the advanced camp between your junior and senior year. Yeah. Like I, I don't know if you know this, but I went to L I actually went to LDAC. My one of my summers I went to LDAC. Um but yeah, I don't know like how much I guess West Point I don't know like so I feel like so much of leadership is just doing it. And yeah. that you know, just by doing like academic, like we we had like classes on like mil- the art, like military art, whatever the fuck you want to call it, like permission, per- the PME square, it's a professional military ethics. So we have like classes where we talk about it, but like that's not really, you know, 
beneficial to you. And I think uh, at West Point, I think we definitely had a lot more opportunities to practice leadership. I think that's what separates, you know, a military academy from like more civilian other like undergrad schools is that, you know, there's a, there's a rank structure between all four classes. So like when you're a freshman, uh, when you're a plebe, you're like a private. So you have all the private duties, cleaning up, like doing all the other, you know, private like duties. Then as a sophomore, you become a team leader. So you have, you're in charge of a private sophomore year or junior year, you become a squad leader, like an NCO. So you get like, you know, practice leading a squad or platoon. And then as a senior, you're like, you know, an officer. So you get like a platoon, platoon leader. You can be like company commander, battalion commander, regimental commander, you know, and various other staff jobs. So you have like the, and then during the summers too, you have leadership details too, where you, you know, are put into leadership positions over the summers too. So overall, I think that West Point does like a pretty good job of, you know, giving you experience or giving you opportunities to practice leadership um, and see what works and what doesn't work. Yeah, I still I think like, it goes back though, like either you're a good leader or you're not, yeah. because for all the ROTC graduates out there, like there were always groups of people that did like National Guard in addition to being cadets. I know Lehigh because the PA National Guard was so close um, to like Kutztown at Fort Town Gap. We had probably, I would say like a quarter of every class was like in the National Guard. And so like they were either privates or specialists. And then you'd show up to, you have to do once a week um, like LPDs or, you know, any kind of other tactical drill out in the, you know, what is it called? What do we call that hour of class? Whatever, like we'd have to do that. But you'd see all these like National Guard people that were your peers showing up with their like specialist rank on um, and their unit patch was the PA guard patch. And you're just like, that doesn't make you like a good leader. And they all thought that that would like set them apart. So when they got to LDAC, you could either get like an E, which means that like, you know, you were like a top 10 percenter. Oh, I know. uh, Or you could get S's. Um, I got S's. And like these National Guard kids all got S's. They weren't even in competition for like getting the Rakondo badge. If like you were Ooh, just. Oh, I got the Rakondo badge. I got the Rakondo badge. I also got E's. <laughs> um, Actually, no, I didn't. How dare you? This, I can't believe I'm business partners with someone who didn't get the Rakondo badge or an E at LDAC. This is unreal. That should have been yeah. like before being Ranger qualified. I actually really liked, I'm not going to lie, I actually liked LDAC a lot. I still talk to some of the guys in my, squ- in my LDAC squad. Oh, one of one of my best buddies, James. Uh, we met at LDAC, and like you know, when there's someone else uh, in close proximity that you're like, we're probably very similar, but like yeah. you're competing and you don't know them, and you're like, yeah. I dislike this guy, and then you meet them and you talk and you're like, wait a second, like we're friends, like we were like that for the first three weeks of that course, and then we started talking about some of the like worthless people that were about to commission as officers, and we were like, wait a second. You dislike him? Yeah, I dislike him. He's a piece of shit. And we're like, are we friends now? And you know, we've been friends since now, two thousand and ten. Yeah. Wait, Wait didn't you? You went to L. We probably went to LDAC at the same time. Then, didn't we? Did you I go went. When was, uh, it? was I was like the second. I was the first class that went to LDAC, but like in like the second regiment or something. However, they there were like sixteen regiments that went through. I was like, and they they spanned it out over like the eight weeks and I was the first week, but like second regiment, um, like May or June. Cause I had to go to aerosol immediately following it. Okay. Try to think when did I, I think that I went, fuck. Cause you guys go beginning before your senior year is correct. Yes. 
So I went a year before, I was a year younger than everybody. So I went going into my junior year. So this would have been summer of 2011. No, you, right? you, you would have gone the same summer that I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. We were there at the same time. I don't know if we were, what, I, I think I was like July, like mid to later, I was to say. Yeah. Well, we still would have like, been there by the time like I graduated, like you would have been just rolling in and been like super salty because we were such deck veterans. Yeah, that course, so being like a cadet at ROTC, I think the things that separate you from your peers are doing like the extracurricular military stuff. And I'm not talking about like drill and ceremony, volunteering to be like, you know, holding the flag for the anthem at your football game, like doing Ranger Challenge um, was real eye-opening. Like, you know, just the basics of of learning like 7-8 and, 321 and how to patrol like i remember my my freshman year i thought there were three exit points to a patrol base because i was like oh there's three sides that makes sense like and there's like who wrote this down on this test and i was like me they're like get out of here like you're an idiot so that that was my one recommendation is like do good pt for all the people out there that are wondering like what programs you need to follow if you're like a sophomore or a junior and you want to be like in the 75th Ranger Regiment, like just pump the brakes, just max the APFT, maybe start maxing like your five mile run and try to get that at 35 and do a two and a half hour, 12 miler. And that's like, that's all you should really be focusing on. All the other stuff, like it'll come with time because you're going to spend six months at Benning before you even get to Ranger school to really develop any other particular skill sets you would need to be uh, using. Yeah, although I would say um, I think it is beneficial to start weightlifting uh, earlier rather than later. Um, Like I started lifting weights when I was like 12 years old, um, so I've always lifted weights. Um, Have not been a good runner, though. Did not become a good runner until much, much later. (laughs) So you had to. Until I had to run, yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't (laughs) lift weights at all. I only ran like four more. I was going to say, go ahead. I didn't lift weights at all. Like, uh, I would only do upper body. Like, I think the first time I squatted was on my first deployment when they were like, oh, there's a thousand pound club. I was like, oh, I don't even want to see what my squat was. I think I did 315 and I'm sure it was a quarter squat, uh, for the purpose of like the grading, um, for getting the thousand pound club. But I, I could not put shit on my back and take it down to parallel. So I will say that that's probably, uh, where I found more success is I started weightlifting at a much younger age and was like pretty, also I was a pretty like physically de- developed by the time I got to like West Point and then definitely by the time I got in the army, I was pretty strong by that point. Um, but I did not do anything in the cardio wise until like, I didn't start running until I got into the army. I'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah. I, I loved running. Like I would take the like alpha ability group out, um, when I was a senior, cause I was like, Oh, if, everyone has to run. I'm going to make the fast kids run what I want to run because I'm getting ready for iBolic. So like selfishly, I'm, you're going to do what I do. And I would make it a goal that every single, I think it was Tuesday, we'd have ability group runs. I was going to vomit at some point during the run. And that would be like the, okay, we're done running today kind of thing. Like Sean is thrown up. Everyone else must've gotten a great workout or you just weren't pushing it hard enough. Um, but we had some like cross country runners that could do like a 25 minute five mile. So me taking them out at like a 630, 640 wasn't doing anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know at West Point what you would, cause it's just like, 
because there's it's so varied i'll put it that way like the 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 best cadets don't make the best office i'll put it that way too oh like, oh no no yeah well it's just like all the guys at regiment that i know that are from west point it was either like they were on some sort of a varsity team like weightlifting rugby ton of football players or they were like the one dude that wasn't on any of that and that was like the outlier like i I truly don't think I really, but you did weightlifting there. Not, not competitively. <laughs> like, so like, but I don't know. I can't think of maybe one dude in 175 while I was there, at least that I knew was from West Point, that like was not an athlete. Because like typically you can spot a West Point dude because they're weird and they're quoting like Clausewitz and Rommel, like because they went to all those leadership courses that you were enrolled in and they think that that's like good to just quote on the reg but yeah like i i don't know that many like non-athletes out of west point yeah i always think it's kind of funny because during our times at west point i just remember the kind of the culture was that all the core squad athletes so so all the division one athletes were all shitbags because they didn't do like the normal cadet stuff yeah you didn't have to watch hours yeah, dude. No, no, no. That's what the like the sentiment was amongst like the non-athletes was that the athletes were like substandard cadets because they used their, you know, their team privileges to not do the normal cadet bullshit. So they weren't as good, quote unquote, good cadets because they didn't do all the stupid shit that everybody else had to do. But that's fucking ass backwards, too. Like, how are you going to blame a D1 athlete for not having to like, how are you going to like, you know, talk shit to a D1 athlete? That they have to fucking that it, they don't have to do like the go parading and go marching. It's like oh, why the fuck that doesn't make sense. It makes zero sense. And so one of my best buddies growing up uh, was a captain on the swim team. Um, subsequently went uh, infantry, and then he and I graduated uh, in the same ranger class and got to stand next to each other. And like we've known each other since we were ten years old. And that was something that he said because I didn't really know too much about West Point when we both were at I Bullock, he was like, just watch. Like you're gonna be able to spot West Pointers that are normal and typically athletes and the West Pointers that are like those Boy Scouts like we talked about I think last week and who are gonna marry the first woman that they meet at a bar in Auburn uh, or, you know, downtown Columbus or up in Atlanta from Georgia Tech and like that's gonna be it for them. And like generally gonna be that group in ranger school that you're trying to peer desperately but there's just too many west pointers to really you know affect any positive change to the graduating class so that was a that was a real eye-opener was like you were either a west point athlete or you were like a west point boy scout and like west point nerd west point nerd yeah yeah i've always yeah it's it's like such a weird culture they have at west point at least when i went there at least such a weird like conflicting sides between like athletes versus non-athletes and it just like didn't make sense to me like the athlete like i it was so weird to me because like because i were i was on the strength team so like i was like a assistant strength coach essentially that's pretty much what it was was a glorified like strength coach for the football team so i worked with the football team for three years of my strength team experience and like listening to some of the non-athletes non-athletic cadets talk about football players calling like pieces of shit like lazy or like dumb i'm like dude you guys don't understand like how much how many hours like football players put in because these dudes like when i was there they would you know go to class wake up at 6 30 in the morning 
go to class all morning, um, and then around two o'clock they would go to practice. They'd be at practice from like two o'clock until eight o'clock at night, and then go back to their rooms and study. Yeah, for the same class that everybody else was taking. And some of those dudes that graduated that ended up in the 75th were also, like, regimental commanders. Mm-hmm. Like, they had some very senior roles because they were academically proficient as well as yeah. being, like, excellent football and Division One mm-hmm. athletes. So I think uh, that's everything. Oh, and if you're an ROTC, you're not an athlete. I'm just throwing that out there because I remember going to a couple schools and uh, I think like schools like Auburn allow ROTC cadets to go to the athlete dorms for some reason. It's like, you know, you're an athlete as well because you're on the ROTC team. And Sick. so I've met some cadets that thought they were like Division One athletes. and just like, no, don't wear your dog tags out. Like here are all the things you shouldn't do if you go to undergrad at a normal school. Uh, don't wear your dog tags. Like that's awful. I did it a couple times. I look like an idiot. I will never do it again. If that picture resurfaces, like, I will murder you. Um, Don't wear your boots that you've been issued around campus with, like, a pair of jeans. You wouldn't do it as, like, a second lieutenant or a first lieutenant. Maybe you will if you're armor, but if you're infantry and cool, you don't. Um, And generally, don't have an ego for service since you've not even graduated or commissioned yet or done any real training. You've you've gone to a, a couple... Uh, FTXs and pulled security as like a saw gunner with a plastic rubber ducky. Like, just be humble. Yeah. I would say the biggest thing for success is that, you know, don't distinguish yourself as being in the army or being in the military because it's not really, you're not, you know, you haven't earned that distinction quite yet. And get good grades. Holy shit. Like, if I could do anything over again, I would have gotten good (laughs) grades. I can't tell you how difficult it was applying to law schools and being like, but look, I did good army. And they'd be like, but look, you barely spelled it correctly one time on this entire sheet for your application. Like, GPA matters. And unless you're coming from, like, a soft unit and applying to, like, these really prestigious MBA programs or law school... Like, you're not going to be able to pull one over on the the uh, uh, admin faculty because they're not going to care if your GPA was sub 3.0. Like, they're just going to say, we're not even going to, that's not even going to bring, we're going to bring down our national average. And when these rankings matter so much based off an incoming class, we're, we're not risking that for you just because you wore a uniform. So, like, you need, like, a 3.3 up if you want to be competitive at all to get into some, like, good schools post-graduation. Yeah, I would say, like, uh, one thing that I was, I was, you know, I, if I could go back, I think I would actually study harder, um, even though I had, like, a pretty good GPA, I just, like, didn't really apply myself very well. It was, it's kind of funny. It's really interesting. Because I think that, uh, I will say that, um, I don't think West Point is very academically rigorous as far as other schools go, like, other, like, elite institutions go. Like I didn't, I honestly did not think that like West Point classes were very hard, and this is, and then I don't know, if that's like kind of, you know, cocky or you know, cocky for me to say that, but I just had to think, you know, I mean, you just had to think like, I don't think, you know, put it this way, like West Point, you know, graduates all army officers, so like there's also dumb off, like not the smartest ones too that graduate as well, but so it's just like I don't think that West Point was very academically rigorous, so I didn't ever. I'll be honest, like I didn't learn good stu- didn't learn how to study until I got to med school and didn't really understand how to study until I got to med school 
because at West Point, I could literally just get by without doing anything. I was uh, getting like B's and A's without doing any work. I would just cram an undergrad and like I still have nightmares now that I'm back in school of like waking up in statistics. I've taken a couple statistics classes. The first class that I took, I still have nightmares about because I still remember walking into the final after staying up all night to study and that entire test is a blur. I do not remember a single question. I don't remember what I studied. If I studied, I know I passed the course. I think I got like a B or B plus in it. But I remember being like terrified to this day of like, what was that exam on? Like, I can't remember it. And like good study habits, like you mentioned, I, I finally developed them because I always thought as like an ROTC cadet, I'm going to have a job after I graduate. Like, what does my GPA matter? And then you find mm-hmm. out it's like 40 or 50% of your evaluations for where you fall. And if you go active duty or if you get your first branch choice, and it's like I had to cram my junior year to get a better grade just to be competitive to get infantry. Um, you know, and you, you can max out. Like, I maxed out every other category on that OML sheet between, like, LDAC, uh, extra army schools, PT, and, like, even with an awful GPA, I still had to sign an ad so because I finished in, like, the top 11% and wasn't a top 10%, so it wasn't guaranteed for a branch. So mm-hmm. branch was like, uh, yeah, we're going to take your ad so Thanks so much for not giving any fucks during your first two years of school. Like, get good grades, guys. Yeah, I think that's, like, a good uh, kind of jumping off is that if you, I guess, high performers are going to be high performers no matter where or what you do, you know? Yeah. So, like, if someone um, is going to be high performing, they're going to have, like, an inherent or, like, natural tendency or personality where they will want to push themselves more than they need to in order to excel, you know, whether that's in academics or like in, like in school or like in the military or just like in physical fitness, like people who are high performers are going to be high performers regardless of what, whatever, you know, avenue or whatever, you know, sphere it is, they're going to be high performers or try to be high performers and try to excel regardless what it is. So, you know, lazy, like if you're going to be lazy, you're going to be lazy doesn't matter what you're going to do, you know? So I find that, like, when people ask us, like, what they should do in undergrad or in high school to prepare themselves for the military, it's, like, I, it's hard to, like, tell, you know, there's no one right answer for everything. It's, like, a lot of it's personality-driven and being able to understand who you are as a person and your own personality type and being able to either, you know, um, take advantage of that personality type or to, you know, work to fix that personality type. Like I um, am inherently pretty fucking lazy. That's one one of my one of my major character flaws is I'm very fucking lazy, um, and that my I'm also uh, so I'm super lazy, like inherently lazy. So I have a tendency, like I know I have a tendency to take shortcuts, or I know I have a tendency to not do the to put in the effort because I know that I have a lot of um, inherent or born skills, like my intelligence. Like I know that I'm probably smarter than the average person um so like i know that i can get by with my intelligence or i know i can get get by with doing other things so that i know that you know when i'm when i when i want to be lazy i have to tell myself not to be lazy and to do the work and do the right thing because i know if i fall into that trap of you know paint like falling into the trap of of like following my own character nature um i'm gonna you know fail or not do as well as i should do 
So that's just like being aware of yourself and your own personality and being able to either do either to, you know, uphold that personality or to go, you know, make yourself better. Yeah. And like, I know we say we can't tell you what to do. I'll tell you what to do if you're an ROTC cadet and like you want to go infantry. Here are like, it's like Michael Scott's 10 things to leadership. I'm just going to list them off and there's probably going to be less than 10. But uh, number one, uh, max your APFT or the ACFT. Like you should do that as an infantry officer before you even get to eyeball it because you're going to be competing for slots and it's not that hard of a standard to meet. Uh, two, be a normal person. Um, and like, how, how, how do you be normal? How um, do you define normal? Don't be a weirdo. Don't creep on social media. Um, how do you know, don't like put stuff up that you're a cadet in the military. Like again, don't, don't wear, don't wear the dog tags out, the boots out. Like that's dead giveaway. Number one, that you're not a normal person. Don't put stuff on your truck, like your airborne wings, just because you graduated, um, and you're an ROTC. Uh, number three, get good grades. Uh, number four, I said, be a normal, I'm going to say be normal again. Like just read like, and, and don't read like military textbooks just because you think that's what your battalion commander wants to talk about when you're doing your first initial counseling. Like, what military historian do you like the most? Chances are, if that's the question, it's a West Pointer and you're already gonna lose because you're not a West Point graduate and you're not knocking your ring you know, in their office or wearing a Stetson. And again, most likely if that's the first question you're getting asked, you're in a cab unit, so your career's shot anyway. Like, good luck climbing out of that. Um, I would say number five, is like find a really good friend group. Like you should have peers that are cadets that can be a year older, a year younger. But generally speaking, like the people that I was closest to uh, in ROTC, aside from like the Ranger Challenge crew, like most of them now are Ranger qualified, uh, couple SF, um, and most went like, combat arms branches are like the top three branches that people could choose from. So like infantry, aviation, like engineer, uh, you know, like-minded people typically associate with other like-minded individuals. And you're going to see that because those same people that you're friends with when you leave college and you're now a brand new second lieutenant at iBolic are probably the same people that when you say to them, hey, I'm going to drop a packet to go to SFAS, I'm going to drop a packet to go to regiment, they actually still follow through and do it. Mm -hmm. Like you'll be you'll be amazed. And now we're at like the I Bullock discussion, but you'll be amazed when you're at I Bullock how many people say they have these aspirations to go soft and then none of them ever follow through because, you know, if they get caught up partying at I Bullock and they've got their Ranger tab and so they're set, um, or they just never, you know, put forth any effort after they were at their first unit because they got super comfortable at being like the big dog XO that's been there for four years you know, and they can ruin the lives of all brand new second lieutenants because they've had three positions, you know, within that battalion, um, since getting there. So just come up with a plan. If you're going to say you're going to do something like do it, there's nothing worse than five years into your service. And you look back at your peers and you're like, Hey, what happened? And they come up with just like a shit ton of excuses. Like, don't be, don't be an excuse. Yeah. I to kind of hop on what you said about finding good peer groups uh, or having finding good friends, I think one of the I don't I was I actually had this thought the other night when I was thinking about this too. Uh, when I was a freshman, I the seniors in my company were awesome. Like these guys, um, 
we're just like the the kind of prototypical like good leaders or good army officers that you kind of picture i think all of them went either infantry or combat i think one couple went like aviation but everyone went infantry all got their tabs but like my as a freshman um they had the same group of guys they all would wake up at five to go do crossfit together and that's where i started doing crossfit um it's because these guys are waking up at five in the morning before breakfast formation to go to the gym to go work out and then you know before the rest of the day and then these guys were also like athletes like some guys are boxers some other guys were like you know company level athletes or whatever so they have like were the kind of people that ex- that really tried to excel you know yeah. the ones that really had persevered and ones had grit and then i was really fucking lucky as like a freshman to be um welcomed into that culture in my company because i just remember it was like me and another freshman were the only ones that would take the opportunity to train with these guys and this is where i learned how to do crossfit was like with these guys uh at five in the morning my entire freshman year was that and that looking back on it laid such a you know framework or such a the the groundwork for like me kind of growing through the years at west point because i can't imagine what like my life would be like if i didn't have wasn't in with these guys because I never would have, you know, discovered CrossFit. I never would have gotten my level one certification. I never would have done all this stuff um, if it wasn't for these guys. So I find that to be like a very um, great point to, pre- to pass to people is to like find mentors too. And then you'll find, I, I think mentorship is like a great tool that you can find. It doesn't have to be like a, in my mind, like I don't think I've ever had too many like formal mentors you know, like a formal mentor-mentee relationship, which is like, I don't quite believe in like the formal relationship. Because in med school, they, they they try to like put us in to have like a mentor and, and to give us that relationship. But it's like, it seemed like too fake. It was too forced upon me. So I didn't really get much out of it. But I find myself, I don't know, like I think that you gravitate to people that are similar to you and that, you know, the ones that you gravitated to, like you want to gravitate towards like the ones that are, you know, high performing as well. And I think that's a, that was like a huge benefit and to like really influ- like re- extremely influential in my development as like a, you know, as a man, as a army officer, as a, you know, athlete or whatever was that I had such good role models to follow. Right. No, I mean, that's a hundred percent. I, I was fortunate enough, you know, my parents were both in, my, my mom was a pilot. Um, my dad was ranger qualified in FA. So like growing up was like, all right, like, you can, there, there are certain steps that you should, you know, achieve while you're in service. And like, for me, getting my Ranger tab was like paramount to that. Cause it was like, you know, growing up and seeing my dad. But then when I got to school, there was an SF cadre member that had been enlisted in the 75th enlisted SF and then went back uh, SF as an officer. And I remember talking with him quite extensively and like, it became very apparent that he believed in the, like the same thing. Like, Hey, like, don't rest on your laurels. Like, you've got to identify the next goal, and you have to get after it. And we had some cadre that came through that were junior officers that, you know, had either gotten their CIB or were Ranger qualified, and they would talk about it as if that was, like, this great distinguishing piece that that separated them from every other person that had ever served and made them, like, so fantastic. And I remember this guy just looking at them being like, not impressed like mm-hmm. you guys had opportunities ample opportunities to go and do something like and and just not be normal and, and I guess what I'm saying like I think everyone should try out for ranger school like whether you, you fail or not 
like go for it. I mean, I think like everyone should try out for one of the the soft uh, units. Like it just whether you fail or it, it or you're successful, the fact that you you sought something out beyond just the standard, you know, army path like speaks volumes. So like I've got friends that were unsuccessful at RASP, unsuccessful unsuccessful at SFAS, and were successful at all those courses, and it's like it's the same core group of guys that you're going to be friends with for a long time because regardless of whether or not they were successful, they still went out and tried to achieve something better than just the status quo. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, don't fall into the, the path of just least resistance and, you know, just getting your major and picking mm-hmm. ILE. Checking the box. And then going to some, you know, pre-battalion command broadening assignment and then getting your battalion command. It's just so boring Mm -hmm. like be unique be best yeah i would say like uh one of the i don't know where this thought came from for me like where what stemmed from but like you never make it that's that's one of my like um i guess like life mottos or like themes that i put in my life is that you never make it like you're never going to be the smartest you're never going to be the strongest you're never the fastest you're never going to be the best leader you're not going to be the smartest doctor you're never going to be the best lawyer you're always you never you never make it like at every stage of your life there's always gonna be somebody that's better than you are so then you know why would you brag for example why would you brag about getting your ranger tab when you've just done what you're just another one of tens of thousands of people that have done the same thing you know it's like you never make it like you never make it when you graduate sfas because there's a thousand other green berets out there you never make it when you get the cag because cag you know, there's thousands of CAG operators. You never make it as, you know, an astronaut because there are hundreds of astronauts that have also made it too. Like, you're never going to be the first fucking person to do anything. So why would you try to define yourself by that characteristic when hundreds of thousands of other people have done the same thing and have still moved beyond that and moved past that yeah. and still use, you know, I never, never satisfied because you never make it. And that's the thing that I've really kind of, taken a heart the last couple of years is that you never you never you're never on top there's always something you can get better at there's always something that you can do yeah i mean think, that when you think thor one you know thor thought he was this badass then odin stripped him of his powers in miramir and now he's nobody you know he always thought that being thor was cool thor got his ass kicked by thanos like there's always someone up there you know higher up on the the pole that's going to knock your ass down so show some humility even if you're chris hemsworth yeah and that yeah and those is like you never quite make it and then there's always somebody out there that is going to be better than you are so why would you rest on your laurels knowing that you're not the best but that's probably just my that's also like a personality type thing too where like you i don't know like i don't know like i want to be the best too and that's like a personality thing that you know that i have is that i want to be the best version of myself that i can be but not everybody wants that too and i think that's what separates like you know, high performers from medium and low performers is that the people who are high performing are the ones that don't take, they don't, that don't accept the status quo or don't accept, you know, mediocrity. The ones that accept, they're the ones that push themselves to the higher limits and push themselves um, to the next level. Well, Joe, what do, you, what do you got going the rest of the week as far as your, your mileage is con- concerned? Uh, so this week I did 31 miles. So I think I'm going to go up to, 
uh, probably 34, 35 this week. I don't know. This week was actually kind of a big jump for me. I went from like 20-something last week to 31 this week. So it's kind of a, a big jump. So I, I don't know. I'd see how, I'd see how it feels. But um, I know next Saturday I want to do 30 mile, or 30K, which is like 18 and a half miles. So I also still want to get some decent mileage on the other days too when I'm not training or not running. So I'm just trying to figure out like, you know. It's like weird, um, just like trying to figure it out because it's like so new to me, you know. I don't really understand like, or I don't really know like the volume my body is able to take and recover from quite yet because I've never really tracked. This is the most like by far I've ever run in my life in terms of weekly mileage, and this is like just starting. And I were this already like twenty miles a week is by far more than I've run in my entire life in a, in a week, like by far. <laughs> good, good. Well, you get up there for the ultra. Yeah, so just like uh so i don't i'm still trying to work it out and see how it goes but i think i think there's still something to be said about being physically fit um and doing other things because i find myself like it's not super hard i've noticed too like it's i don't know like it's weird because like i've you know i've 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 a good cardio and aerobic base so like you know when people talk about like training for like ultra marathons like you need to have like a they say that you should have like a 40 you know 40 like at least a base like aerobic base of 40 miles per week like i did like a 32 mile week already and i feel fine so it's just like i think that's going to start like compounding though like in a couple weeks and then as you start throwing in uh some longer intervals like you know you can run every day at a comfortable like zone two and be fine but all of a sudden you're gonna have to run zone four for three minutes and then a minute at a zone two, like all, all of those, uh, recovery methods for increasing your aerobic capacity, just mm-hmm. destroy you, you know, later that day. I mean, I remember doing some like hard ass runs when I was at Benning and I would pass out for like two hours afterwards when I'd get back to my apartment, which by the way, I lived off uh, Kilgore and Gillespie. So if you're living, uh, in Norton village at Fort, uh, Benning, um, you are in good company. That's the place to live. Don't live at, you know, whatever I Bullock Hall, I Plaza, whatever the hell. Although it's right off one of the like shittier gates at Benning. That's another thing. Just live on post. It's way easier just to get to everywhere. And you got great gyms. Exactly. Independence Place. Don't live at Independence Place. Oh, I love downtown. I lived in Columbus, downtown Columbus, in a loft. Great yeah, you had time. a great loft. It was uh, yeah, right it was next great. to Iron Bank. Pretty close. Brian had the best one. Phoenix, Evil and Phoenix lofts. Yeah. Dude, I think Columbus might be like a decent place now. I don't know. Would you it's go back? Great. There? I mean, like the the riverfront's awesome. Yeah. You got some good restaurants, great bars. Uh, you're essentially out there on your own. You're not dealing with like any big city traffic. Um, you can go to Auburn for sporting events. You can go to what's that place up in Atlanta that had? Uh, it was near Georgia Tech, but it had like the pizza place, like the Buckhead. I buckhead, yeah, but there was another. It was like the super Italian pizza place where like it was like big communal tables. Um, it was if if you know, you know. I don't know the name of it because I'm not Italian, so pizza. Yeah, I will say I I, did, I actually probably did not take advantage of Atlanta as much as I should have when I was there. Yeah, I think I was just like so fucking burnt out, so tired from like training during the week with at 375 that on weekends it's like fuck this i'm sleeping and just it's also a little out. bit too far to get to um for like a standard like night yeah, out because you're gonna be driving an hour and you know and a half back on some country roads and like 
you know, nobody wants to deal with that coming back at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anything else we talk about? Try to think. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna knock out. We're we're taking uh, off from here on Thursday, driving across country. So the next time we podcast, we'll be on the same coast, um, and I will be in a full like Mop Five gear in New York City. Dude, I saw. Well, it's kind of weird. I saw something online that said that uh, like one one thousand one thousandth one out of every thousand New Yorkers have had COVID. But then that's only 0.1%, which if you think about it, isn't that much either. But I also know I also know that New York New York has done some like weird stuff with their COVID reporting and their statistics too. Yeah, the data I, too. I saw something. I also saw uh, uh, Governor Cuomo had a pretty good clap back uh, at President Trump because um, if anyone's been watching like these campaign style weekly updates uh, that yeah. he's running. Um, you know, in this the very rosy picture that he's painting. I think depending on what side of the aisle you sit on, um, you either appreciate it or you just sit there and make like political satire out of it. But um, yeah, the governor was pretty angry. I mean, like New York's the worst when it comes to COVID. So like, I think New York City just because it is such a close community there, it's like no one really drives. Everyone walks or takes a subway, mm-hmm. which is different than every other major city in the country. So that's probably why the cases are getting out of hand. Yeah. It's very interesting. Also, I'm I'm just really kind of curious to see what comes out of the whole COVID pandemic because somebody else uh, brought this really good point in that, you know, hospitals are, well, not somebody, but Christina was saying that the hospital is like half, half, it's running like half capacity right now because all the sick people that normally would go to the hospital aren't going to the hospital because yep. they're scared of it. So like I'm kind of interested to see the data that comes out from this like that last couple of months about like, um, like heart attacks or like strokes or like other like medical emergencies. Or like people... bullshit ER visits. We had a, a friend come over last night, uh, at a social distancing six feet, of course, um, saying the same thing that like you really see how many people abuse the system coming in for like bumps and scrapes that now they're like, oh, I'm not risking it. It's clearly not that big of a deal. I don't want to contract corona while I'm at a hospital. But then, like, I know there's like a there's also a large amount of people that aren't coming to the hospital for very severe things, like people aren't coming in for like like chest pain, for like heart attack because they don't want to get coronavirus, and then they sit at home and then die from a heart attack, or die from like a stroke caused by or, coronavirus. Yeah, which is yeah caused by coronavirus. Um, I saw it's, it's super cool because like, you know, people get sick, like people get sick no matter what, but like. If they don't come to the hospital, like, you don't know if they're sick. So people are just dying at home or getting sick at home and then not going to the hospital. So I, I'm, I'm just curious to see what comes out from all the data because there's going to be – I guarantee there's going to be some very cool data that comes out of this. Yeah, I'll, I'll be interested. But I think we'll be able to – next week I'll give you an update on what uh, city life is like uh, in the corona capital. All right. Any other concluding thoughts that you have? Uh, be best be best uh any other announcements no. hats hats oh hats yeah we got to get the i i'm so sorry i've been lagging on this i i've got to get this onto the site and a couple different varieties yeah i don't have any other announcements either um 
leave a review, leave a comment. Let us know how we're doing. This is going to go on YouTube too, so it'll be on YouTube as well. Uh, normal programming this week, still current programming. Um, but yeah, nothing. Still status quo on, on my end, at least. Big running week this week for people out there. So, did a 10K yesterday uh, for military prep. So, uh, expect up to a 15K uh, later this week, probably on Friday mm. instead of a rest day. Ooh, 15K. That is one thing people have been saying is that they have been enjoying the change of pace in the programming style, which I think is good. That's a good, great. How dare you have anything to say and be upset with us? I know. It's like I really appreciate. I had some people reach out saying, "Oh, this functional fitness program has been a great change of pace. I don't know if I want to go back to the regular functional fitness stuff." I was like, "You know, you don't have to." But I cannot wait to get back to a barbell. Put it that way. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to. To that but i'm also looking forward to like getting my road bike out in the city and getting some like yeah. really good mileage in on uh running yeah i'm just looking for the fucking moving get the fuck out of jersey and going back to, and going to like a normal state yeah normal yeah r.i.p fucking jersey all right well i guess we'll wrap it up with that um you know Is that how we're leaving it, or we're gonna? Oh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I was like, we should come up with like a fucking like tagline, some kind of like concluding tagline, like Cronus Fit. Finish shouldn't be a secret. Cronus Fit. Be somebody. Fitness is not a secret. Be somebody. Rangers lead the way. Be best. Don't wear your dog tags and your boots out. Yeah. Don't like be a nerd. Don't, don't be, be a nerd. nerd. That's my biggest one. Don't be a nerd. Yeah. Don't go to right. Usma. Uh, made me who I am today. But there are a lot of weirdos from that way. Don't be a Boy Scout then. How about that? You can go to Usma, <laughs> don't be a Boy Scout. Be an athlete. Don't be a weirdo. Just don't be a, don't be a weird nerd. Yeah. Nerd. All right. We'll catch you guys later. Bye. Peace.